Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It's time for Counterpoint. We got John Raz, former Liberal War Room director, now political commentator. Bill Hutchison, journalist, journalism professor, now over at Seneca. Hey, guys. Good to have you. Uh, let's just pick up a little bit on the last segment. I won't spend a lot of time talking on it, but, of course, uh, Justin Trudeau coming out and talking that they will do a study on banning handguns and assault rifles or weapons. Uh, really, is this what they want to go into an election on? This is not a winning strategy. Well, they obviously think it is because uh, gun control has been an issue um, this year in Toronto, uh, I don't think it, it is a winning policy. I don't think what, banning handguns and banning assault rifles is a winning policy. Uh, I think that if you want to be serious about doing something about gun violence, then you go after the, the criminals who are using guns, not the legal gun owners. Yeah, it's pretty much. I mean, we, how come we all know this and <laughs> the politicians can't catch on? <laughs> Certainly not the view of the police. In fact, on my way down here, I was on the phone with the former head of homicide for the Toronto Police Services who insists, I also mentioned, he's a very good-looking German man, to give you a clue. <laughs> Uh, Was he looking for a date? Is he single? Is he a good guy? I hope he's listening. I got friends friends who are available. (laughs) Anyway, his view, and he says the constabulatory's view and the judiciary's view is ban them all, grandfather in the clauses that are right now, and get rid of handguns. No one needs them in Canada. Yeah, because that's going to stop all the criminals from using handguns. Because, you know, if you're an illegal drug uh, dealer, you're going to say, oh, wait, this is a banned gun. I shouldn't be using this. I'll I'll get rid of this. I didn't register this one. Oops. In adjunct to that, it is also suggested, of course, that mandatory minimums be enforced. Duh. Because right now it turns out that if you get caught with an illegal handgun or somebody else's legal handgun, uh, you're doing a concealing carry, et cetera. You might do as little as three months if you have no criminal record, and that just is not going to do. See, to and me, that would be the obvious. Yeah. Just yeah. tweak the the sentencing on it and send a message that way, because that's what would turn me off of taking out a gun. And I mean, if I knew that I would pay, go automatically in for five years, no questions, if, and, or buts. Trying to have a, a ban on handguns yeah. and, and assault rifles yeah. uh, in the country is like trying to have one in, in the city of Toronto. You've got porous borders. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people say, well, Australia has it, UK has it, Japan has it. They're all islands. It's a whole lot easier to enforce sure. uh, illegal guns coming in. If you ban handguns and assault rifles in, in Canada, they're just going to come across the border. Of course. So but that's where they're coming what you, from. What do you anyway? accomplish with that? Yeah. Well, we already know that's coming. All right. I want to switch gears a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about Maxime Bernier. Um, who seems like he's a little bit more like Waldo. Where's Waldo these days? But, you know, what do you do, John, when you leave your party and no one follow you, follows? I mean, Bernier is really the conservative of the conservatives, but conservatives are not following him. Well, I think what you do is you get to stop talking about him because <laughs> uh, he walked out stage right and nobody followed him, as you said. Uh, I think a lot of conservatives remember, I mean, would that we had a Jean Chrétien for three majorities in a row while the conservative party divided itself over a decade. I mean, I remember those days. I was very happy with them. Um Mr. Bernier misjudged this. I, he's a very bright guy. I've met him. I've watched him for years as conservatives go. He's a principled guy. Uh, I, of course, made that error years and years ago, but I don't think that's the issue here. I think the issue Sorry, is... Sorry, his I, error was being principled? I, no, I think his error <laughs> yeah, was, no, was putting him first instead of party first. And I think... I, I agree. I, I like him a lot. I think it was a terrible misstep. I don't yeah. understand what data he had that would suggest to him that this would work. Maybe there's more in this fog of war. Maybe there's something else. I mean, I'd like to think, but it looked like a reckless and uh, it looked like a tactical uh, blunder. 
It yeah. could have been on principle, and I know that that's very difficult for people to believe in politics these days <laughs> that somebody would do something on principle. A lot of people say it's it's like the Reform Party breaking away from the Conservatives. It's not. Mm. When the Reform Party broke away from the Conservatives, there was a constituency there that supported it right away. Bernier has broken out on his own, and yes, there are a lot of people and, across and the country Manning that— And Preston Manning was not an elected official. Like, he had developed that party, and yeah. he was not in a party that was already— yeah, Important. Bernier may have a couple yeah. hundred thousand people following him on Twitter sure. and who support him. That is not enough to to create a party. Well, and we were talking about that before the show, Bill. I mean, maybe the conservative star chamber, star chamber, or even the subconscious of his base understands that if they're actually going to have a shot at beating Justin Trudeau, they're going to have to move towards the center. And I think that's a mistake. I do too. Because I think, that's a, I think the they should actually just start acting like the conservatives, like conservatives win when they campaign from the right; yeah. they lose when they govern from the left. And but, I think that if if people look at Sheer and saying think. Well, he's just like Trudeau without the silly costumes when he goes on a foreign trip. Well, the thing is, Andrew Scheer is mirroring Patrick Brown yeah. as a winning formula yeah. when he should be looking at Doug Ford and saying it worked for him because he simply stood up and declared he's what he was He's a strong doing. leader. And he didn't count out anyone. And, and the Patrick Brown, it's not the way to go. I still can't remember a single thing that Mr. Scheer has said. And I can't remember a single <sighs> thing Mr. Brown said. And, you know, like, so exactly, why would you go that route Instead, just act like a conservative, period. Yeah. But what 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 defines a conservative now? I don't Maxine know. Maxine Bernier says get rid of supply Bend management. Over? That's what, con- I mean, honestly, conservatives are too busy apologizing instead of actually standing up for what they believe. In, because, any, in any event, Justin Trudeau should be sending Mr. Bernier a muffin basket. I'm not sure if I'd buy that. I do think that there's a, a hunger for change. And I think really a lot of it comes down to NAFTA. If this thing falls apart... Um, and people actually see tariffs come in on the cars and they actually realize that overnight their lives are going to be irreparably um, changed economically, that's going to change a lot of people's tunes. They're not even going to be, th- Bernier will not even be a thought. I, th- I think, a I think the Trude- Trudeau government will eventually sign a deal and it'll be a bad deal. Not, oh, not, I think we'll sign it'll a deal. It'll be a terrible deal compared to what we could have had at the outset had we approached this properly. Yeah. Are you feeling confident? Do you know something, John, that we don't about this NAFTA? No. And in fact, <laughs> I've defended uh, Christian Freeland's negotiations and her the... tactics up to this point. Yep. And I, I, again, I was saying to Bill before the show that I finally was, a, I was a little flummoxed that she was out of the country during this seminal week. And also that we did not foresee that while we would stand by Mexico and insist on a trilateral relationship and negotiation, that Mexico really had no choice but to go into a bilateral negotiation and leave us up here holding our straws. At the outset, we were not the problem. Mexico was the problem, and we made ourselves the problem. And now Mexico's got a deal, and we don't. And now Trump is going to turn his attention solely to Canada and find problems. Divide and conquer. Exactly. And so I don't know if Canada gets a deal. And like I said, everyone's arguing, well, we'll get one eventually. Yeah, that's great. But in two, three months of, of auto tariffs, mm-hmm. um, we'll the damage be, we'll to our be, economy. We will be especially Ontario's <laughs> lining economy. up at food banks. Christian Freeland seems still strangely confident. So maybe she does know something. Well, what's she going to do? Come out and say, oh, it's going terribly. Like, oh my what's God, she going to do? Of course she's going to say, like, I did it wrong. I mean, of course, those talking points are going to... Look, she, she, she to me is the only adult in that party. And I think she's cookie. been she's been handed a poop sandwich. And they're going to let her take the fall in this. But I don't think... Um, I'm not sure what her negotiating power is right now. I don't now. think there's been any loss of shine on her brand. I think most Canadians think she's doing a fine job and I'm one of them. We'll see. We'll see. Time will tell on that one. Uh, quick break here, 828. When we come back, exactly what is free speech anymore? We'll talk about what one sign in a man's private property 
um, has got this conversation as to what exactly is freedom of speech. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. John Raz, Bill Hutchison joining me for Counterpoint. Let's talk about this billboard. It went up on a private property of a 81, an 81-year-old gentleman uh, in just outside of, of uh, Chatham, so about 20 clicks outside of Chatham. And on this sign, which was on his private property, it had a number of signs. It says, God says no to homosexuality and abortion. It had things like uh, Bibles in school, um, you know, and also uh, pot. It talked about pot and God. So there were a few different messages, but it was really the message of God says no to homosexuality and abortion that offended people. They had just wrapped up their pride events and the sign disappeared on Monday. But Bill, I'll start with you on this. You might not like what this said. I don't support what the guy says, but it doesn't violate any laws. It's not hate speech. It doesn't you know, incite violence. But it is his opinion. That would be up to a judge to decide whether or not it's hate speech because the God says no to homosexuality is singling out uh, something that is protected in the Charter of Rights. But he also so singled out abortion. He did, but that's not sing- that's not protected in the Charter of Rights. In fact, we don't have a law governing abortion in, in this country. So I think there'd be a lot of arguments for women to have the right to abortion. I mean, that's a whole, no, but the, the whole but it's not enshrined in the Charter of Rights. No, yeah, no, it's Despite untrying. what the Liberal government says, there actually is no law on the books regarding the Supreme Court struck down the, the law about abortion and, and no p- political party has ever dared to, to enact a new uh, law regarding that. So it just simply doesn't exist. Uh, the statement about homosexuals, however, that could be construed as, as hate, uh, a hate crime. It's because these days... So much can be considered a hate crime. Well, sure, but may okay, not have seen I, I guess by a, today's standards, yes. but the bottom line is if you don't, you either believe in free speech or if you, you don't. If you believe in free speech, then a lot of things that are, are now branded as hate crimes and, and branded as offensive should be allowed. You should be able to defend people to, you know, I may disagree with what you say, but I'll defend your right to say it. These days, that's not allowed in, in, in our society. Oh, yeah. According to certain groups. Okay. So in the statement, though, by one of the groups that was very offended by it, which is the Kent Gay Pride Association, they argued, quote, it's important to be able to share a community with people with different opinions and beliefs. Okay. What? Why can't this guy have his so opinions? So long as their different opinion agrees with that. Well, so, yeah. So they're a little selective. Let's start here. If being a jerk was against the law, I would have spent my whole life in a penitentiary. And I'd have the cell right beside you. <laughs> Let's start there. Number two is I think there are so many creative ways to get in front of something like this without having to go to law. Like if that gay organization or the neighbors were offended by that sign... Put up a sign of your own that exactly. says, my God loves homosexuals. On his property? I would, also add, property? That, I would also add that if, if, in fact, the notion that God hates homosexuals is considered hate speech now, but it seems like a big part of the Old Testament, we better start burning Bibles, and it's Fahrenheit for uh, You go first. Time, right? Exactly, right? I'll because then, not then be half of the Bible no, can right. be construed to be hate speech, and it shouldn't be d- being disseminated. And, and I'll bet you there are a lot of people who would argue that, that you're right in, in saying that. That, you mean uh, atheists like me? Well, there's a lot of people out there who do look at that and say that's hate speech and we shouldn't. I, I, I don't look see at all the, the books that people attack now that, that 
you know, are simply written in their time. Come and on, Little House on the Prairies? Come on, that's yeah. considered hate speech. I mean, exactly. honestly, it's so not... So that's what I'm saying is, is that billboard is considered hate speech by today's standards. By by today's standards of some groups. But, but those, look, those it, groups have a lot of power in the courts. They've taken things to uh, human rights uh, this, tribunals this, this as well as courts. This would not get into the courts. It would not even lead to a charge. It would go to a human rights yeah, tribunal. Yeah, okay, well, they'll take anything. Exactly. Well, <laughs> but what I'm saying is... A carrot could get a case is, into the court. human rights. I mean, honestly. The, you know. the point is that that's the... That's the society we live in now okay it doesn't make i don't it agree right. with it but that's a society we live in now you have to be very careful what you say right the poor guy the 81 year old put his phone on the number on the sign i did call him i'm sure he got about a billion phone calls today he's probably aged about 30 and years some of them would have been in support of him the poor some of them, guy look well look he's 81 i don't know who he is i don't agree with what he says but it's his property and you know what when i'm offended by something i either look the other way or I go over and I stick my finger up or I, or I put my own stance on it and say, you know, up up yours, whatever. Uh, but again, if we're going to I don't know why your career in the diplomatic corps never went anywhere. <laughs> I can't, you can't figure it out either. I just find, I mean, either you believe in freedom of speech or you don't. And if we don't, then it's going to be... we don't. Right. Clearly, we don't. In this society today, we don't. We don't agree with freedom of speech. I enjoy my legal right to be a jerk. Right. And talk and radio, talk radio is getting a lot harder <laughs> to do all the time. <laughs> when you can't actually say what you believe because everything's being so sanitized. Let's talk a little bit about this uh, pretty big lawsuit that has been launched in uh, B.C. by the B.C. government. Um, this is against opiate manufacturers, so 40 pharma companies. The province says they're trying to recoup costs um, of what the crisis. A lot of people have been killed by opiates in the province of B.C., Big problem. A number of other provinces are probably looking at this, but this is massive. Like, where does it stop? I don't know how you do this lawsuit. Uh, I think that had the pharma industry uh, working with doctors been far more responsible than they have been well, how, in how terms you know of over prescribing, because they get busted all the time in the United States and in Canada for. Uh, for overprescription, for encouraging doctors to push their pills down people's throats, and they have turned into a gateway to addiction, and I'm all for this lawsuit. Right, okay, so then you sue the pharma, but then, Bill, you would have to go after the doctors, you'd have to go after the pharmacists, you would have to go over, you'd have to go after nurses. I mean, this is this is not quite, as I think, clear as tobacco, you know, the big lawsuits against tobacco, because someone is giving the people the drugs. There the are a lot of people that itself. give the people drugs. And and by the way, where the, where is the responsibility for those taking it, and I'm not blaming the victims, but at some point, you know, you're not forced to take something. That is a choice. So I think there could be, that would be a part of the defense. Where's the policy to go to deal with addiction to start with? Yeah, I mean, this is an easy, not an easy thing, but it is, it is a a political thing to do to, to launch this lawsuit. Um, yeah, then you they have have an effective chill effect on, on the entire, on the entire, you know, sort of, Prescription. Oh, I think we've already seen Absent of good public policy by the government to deal with addiction. But how's this? If if I was Big Pharma, why haven't they considered saying, you know what, we recognize that sometimes when people are legitimately prescribed opioids for pain, it triggers an addiction and an illness within them. So we are going to contribute of our own volition instead of being cornered by this government. And Uh we're going to kick in. That, that, that's what, and they may come to do but, that, but but then if I'm big pharma, I'm turning around and suing the government because they're the ones who are more reactive than proactive. I mean, the pharma companies make the drugs; they're not forcing people. No. They're not forcing anyone to take them. It, it's their job to say, "Hey, we got great product, take it." But and a lot of the people who are addicted to it were not prescribed it initially by by doctors. I think that those statistics are changing, and in fact, the gateway uh, is wider and wider as a direct result of overprescription by 
pill happy doctors. Maybe I just don't. I, I just don't. I don't see. How, I, this is a precedent setting case, so it's gonna. Yeah. It's gonna have a real effect. But to your point, um, you know, we are starting. I know I've seen it. You go to the drugstore to pick something up, and they're talking a lot more. Even if you get like a tiny little one over the counter, they're like, "Do you know what this is? How, yeah. you, how much are you there?" It is getting stricter. That's it great. Is, well, That's it great, is good as it should be. It should have been done a long time ago. But again, I just don't see where this uh, suit goes. Gotta leave it there. I'm Alex Pearson. This is on point here on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.